It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, folks. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. Here with me in the KFG studios, my business partners and friends, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Students graduating today find themselves entering a very different economy, a very different job market than nearly any graduating class before them. So this is on top of the student uh, loan debt crisis and many other things that they're facing. So how should graduates navigate this time financially? That and more coming up on this episode of the Wise Money Show. That's right. We've got a special sponsor today. Auto Owners Insurance is sponsoring a question segment that we've got right at the end of the program. So thanks to Auto Owners. If you have a question for us, we would love to hear from you. And lots of people have questions about what their next wise step should be in their financial life. And we're happy to help you there as well. You can uh, find us online, wisemoneyshow.com. You can go there and reach out to us and submit questions for the show there. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000, at 574-222-2000. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there too. Just search The Wise Money Show, and I'd follow us there. You can leave questions and comments there as well, but you can follow us there and be up to speed on all Wise Money content that we're posting. So, All right. So college graduates uh, walked down a across a virtual stage last week, not in caps and gowns, but instead with just a few clicks of a mouse, probably from their parents' basement or maybe the bedroom that they grew up in. Um, but that's actually not the greatest challenge. The greatest challenge is they graduated, and a month before they did so, 33 million people applied for unemployment for the first time. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. There's never been a time in history where there's been greater access to information that you can, dis- you can use to create knowledge and value. And I'm assuming there is going to be tremendous innovation and opportunity coming out of this pandemic crisis. And that should mean enormous opportunities ahead. So I would, I would give you that um, that state of reality right now, but I'd also give you that hope, and it's not false hope. I'm confident in that. So for those of you that just graduated, for you that have kids that have just graduated or grandkids, what financial advice would you have for them? And we're going to just give you our very best. What financial advice would you give someone graduating today? You know what I love about your intro there uh, just a moment ago is that you said you took the positive side of this and said um, that there's never been a better time. There's more information at your fingertips. Um, y- you you really have more tools uh, available to you coming out of school right now. And I, I agree with that completely. Here's I'll take the negative side of that. You also are inundated with lots of negative message right now. Mm. And uh, maybe one of the most important things that you could do right now is to n- not be... Uh, gravitating towards all the headlines and all the unemployment rate, all the things that uh, maybe would 
would cause you to just sort of give up before the fight has even begun and um, and maybe not be pursuing that first job, that um, launch of your career, that sort of thing. So I hope that you're not uh, zeroing in on all the statistics and everything and instead focusing on the things that are actually within your control. Josh, that's number four on my list. <laughs> um, just for those of you listening, I encourage us to share and compile our lists and my co <laughs> radio show guys said uh you come up with your own list so number <laughs> number four on my list is to be an energy giver not an energy taker and we talk about that at work i actually talk about that at home sometimes with uh, my team at home and i it, you you can't be an energy giver if you f- only feed on the negative mm. and so there so if you're thinking right now about that Think about the app or two or three on your phone that you just need to delete. Go delete them right now. If you're going to take action, this show is about taking action. We want you to take the next wise step in your financial life. This this action may be the action that gets the next actions, especially in your financial life, going. Delete those apps. If you're get get rid of um, social media. Uh, do the things that that prevent you from playing the compare game and then and then work on your self-awareness am i an energy giver or am i an energy taker do people um like to be around me are people encouraged after they've been around me or am i kind of an eeyore and um i don't know if what what children you know my my children's books seem kind of obsolete as i talk about children's books around the office um i talk about the tortoise and the hare and People give me a strange look, and I just remind them that the, every time I read the book, the tortoise always won. But don't be an Eeyore and walk around with the, oh, bother. Well, so I, I, I wouldn't disagree. I'm gonna, I'm, my first one is going to be more direct about finances. And, and I would tell you, um, you know, whether you've got a job or whether you're, you're hustling or whether it's your dream job or just a starter job, I would have you work on your financial reputation. Mm. They call that a credit score. This is your financial reputation. And right now, you are either graduating college with no reputation, no one knows you, right? In which case, if you just try to go out and get a, get, get a house or buy something, um, you have no reputation. And so a company might not be willing to lend you money with no reputation. Um, you could be graduating right now with a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. And in that case, you've got to restore confidence and you've got to build up your rep. Hopefully you're graduating right now with a good reputation. But whether you've got a job or it's a dream job or you don't or whatever, you can work on your financial reputation. Work on your credit score. Get a starter checking account if you don't already have one from the bank virtually somehow and and get a uh, get a low um, a, a, a low uh, limit. That's what I sorry, low limit credit card 
and start putting just a couple charges on it every single month and paying that off every single month. That will help you build a reputation if you don't have one, restore one if it's already bad, or keep it in good standing if you've got a good rep. But Mike's not giving you license to just go spend money just to spend money. Right. This You don't spend money for the purpose of building your credit score. If you were already going to be spending money on some needs and you use the credit card but then pay it off each month, now you're starting to demonstrate to other creditors Potentially, some employers do these kind of background checks. Uh, your insurance company might be doing this kind of background check on you. And so you, you want to demonstrate to them that you pay your bills on time. That's right. Ultimately. That's exactly right. I would then go the, the next step, and this one might be a little bit trickier if you're not in a dream job or, or have landed in, in the right career that you're searching for, and that is be animalistic about any debt you currently have in your life. And don't listen to the naysayers about your student loans that, yep, uh, you can just put that on a 30-year payment cycle or whatever. No, be animalistic. Pay that stuff off as quickly as possible. Roar. <laughs> yeah, I, that, was, that ties into my second one, which is learn how to do things that will build your confidence mm. in life. And so a, a great example of that is is building a budget because a budget actually gives you freedom and it because it, it, it it's a paradox you think well a budget is going to constrain me no it's a guideline it's going to give you freedom and the amazing thing is right now in in the world the access that you have to things like YouTube all you have to do is go on there and say how to build a debt snowball if you have any debt whatsoever Get after it. <laughs> All right. So uh, you've heard we've, we've each got our own list of what we're going to tell you to do or tell your kids or tell your grandkids what they need to do financially and in life if they're graduating college. So we've got a lot more to come here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. When you're graduating college right now, and arguably what they say, the experts say, is going to be the worst economy since the Great Depression, how do you do it? How do you navigate that financially? We're giving you our best ideas right here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KF2 studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you've missed anything or you want to catch previous episodes, you can find every episode of the Wise Money Show on podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, now that you're able to travel around and walk around, make sure you keep your six feet distance. And wear a mask. Throw, and wear a mask, but throw those AirPods in or whatever, and you can listen to every episode of the Wise Money Show. Wherever you catch podcasts, just search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there, rate the show that helps people find us, and leave comments as well. We appreciate it. All right, so we're talking about how... Uh, college graduates are are having a different experience than anyone before them. They didn't walk across a stage and move their little tassel. They clicked a mouse and graduated from their parents' basement. And then they are trying to apply for jobs when 33 million people applied for unemployment the month before they graduated. So all sorts of issues, all sorts of opportunities, though, are going to come out of this. So what are the what's the financial advice that we'd give? We left off. Uh, I think mid-sentence um, with Kevin <laughs> talking about the value, the benefits of a budget. 
Yeah. And, you know, this is this may seem counterintuitive if we just got done talking about how a lot of these graduates don't even have a job yet. So why would you even be worried about a budget right now? Well, the reality is now is the time to begin building that budget. So it is crystal clear to you what your living expenses are going to be both now and up until the the time that you are working and then after you're working as well, because you need to determine, well, just how much income do you need coming in? And that begins with a careful assessment of what your true needs are. And yes, I said needs, not necessarily wants. This might be a time when you need to postpone or sacrifice some of the wants so that you're, you're not going negative in your cash flow during this time where maybe you, you're doing some sort of side hustle or whatever before you get really launched into your career. H- however, you're bringing in income. Find a way that there is margin in there, and the way that you do that is through the budgeting process. You know, the other thing I, I like about starting with the budgeting process, even right now, and again, we're not trying to spread doom and gloom. We want to spread hope and opportunity, but if you had your eyes set on a certain career that had a certain pay range that you expected, but now that career, that pay range dropped, or you're taking an entry-level role instead of what you expected would be a, a college graduate-level role and the pay is lower, you got to look at your budget to say, yep, how can I make this work? I can make this work. Yep, here, here are my expenses. Therefore, here's the income that I need to bring in. See, I can make it work. Because a budget lets me be objective about my financial life. And a budget helps me organize. So this is for the college graduate, but if you, whether you... Uh, went right to work out of high school or you're a college graduate or you've got multiple degrees, you still need a budget. So the budget lets me organize and have great financial information. Great financial information puts me in a position to make great financial decisions. So what I'd be careful with, this is the third item that I had on my list. It's connected to the budget. What's your biggest expense category in your budget? It's going to be your rent. It, It will be. And um, so you got to be very careful about where you choose to live. Once you make that choice, it doesn't feel like a choice. It's like, well, this is my home or this is where I live. But you made a choice to go in the luxury upscale apartments or the ones that have the swimming pool in the middle that you would never touch. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like so. And I, I don't want you to live in a dump. Because there's, you know, confidence and all this and safety and everything else. But um, it doesn't mean you need to live. I mean, luxury apartments, guys, I don't know if you've noticed, but they have been popping up everywhere. Yeah, I'm, I've been scratching my head and now here we are in a recession. It's like, I don't know how this is going to work. But choose wisely. Choose wisely where you live. That will be an enormous factor in your budget. And who you live with. Yeah. You know, that's that's another way to... Keep living like a college student, I guess, is part of the message. You lived so frugally for four or five years of your life. You had roommates. You shared costs. Um, You know, there's nothing wrong with continuing with that for a little while, especially as you're getting your feet under you. If you're not uh, employed or you're, you're not fully employed yet, anything you can do to cut the cost, because what you have to make room for in that budget is the eventuality that if you have student loans, those payments are coming. They're going to squeeze their way in somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so finding the room now, you know, while you still have a six-month runway before uh, those show up for you, I-, I think it's important to start training yourself to cover even those expenses that are coming down, down the pike. Yeah, I think one thing that happened in the last few months 
is this is the first time that you may have gotten a hard no in your entire life. Every other time your parents or someone else said, hey, I don't think you should do this or this is a good idea, you've negotiated and bargained and been able to kind of get your way. Well, guess what? If you were at school, you're not getting your way. You went home. You went home and you lived at home. And so the that's a and and the world right now it may be giving you what feels like a hard no. You are now competing with 30 million other people that don't have jobs. Mm. And so you say, oh, that feels daunting. I thought we talked about in the first segment we weren't going to feed on the negative. No, a leader's job is to define reality. The toughest leadership job you're ever going to have is to lead yourself well. So lead yourself well, define the reality, and then say, hey, maybe, maybe instead of moving to either the luxury apartment or the kind of the basic bro apartment, Maybe what I should do is create a budget, stay at home, and rack up the dough and either get my student loans paid off first or get the, my, the down payment on my house racked up before I move out. But, but set some goals and then work it out with your parents. Make sure you, you, you make a contract with your folks. And if they want you to pay rent, pay rent. And yeah. if they don't, make sure, again, you're an energy giver. You're putting energy into the family if you're living there. All right. I, I would, I, I'm going to piggyback on that with um, right now, if you were, if, if you're jumping right into your career or if you're going entry level or something, you're still building habits and you don't, it's almost subconscious. And if, if life is throwing you some lemons right now, you still need to build the right habits. I mean, that's what's really going to count. Not whether you started at 40,000 or you're got to hustle to make 25,000. Um, you're still building habits. So what are the habits that I would tell you specifically you need to build? There's tons, but I would tell you start from your very first paycheck, saving 15% for retirement. Start immediately. Never pay just the minimum payment on your student loans. Now, if that's all that can fit in your budget, fine, but build the habit of paying extra on that and never, ever, 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 ever pay interest on a credit card. Don't don't charge something on a credit card that you can't pay off immediately. Now, could you have financial success without following those habits? Sure, but I'm talking about build habits where that's your what you repeatedly, that's what you repeatedly do. If you have a one-off or you've already had some one-offs, don't fret, but your habit should be those three things. Yeah, I, I might say it just a little bit differently. Um, the, the habit of saving, I think, is the important piece to build in. And it may be that the first place that you should be saving is to an emergency fund. If you've just always operated in your financial life with very little cash on hand and you couldn't handle an emergency of a thousand bucks or more, maybe that's the first thing you build so that you have a base to operate from. You, you're kind of laying the foundation for those future contributions to retirement and other things. Yeah, so I, I want to pick that back up, and, and as well as, you know, it's possible if you're listening and you've got kids that aren't yet in college, you might be thinking, how should I be saving differently? Will college look different after this pandemic? So we've got that more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you're graduating college right now, or your son or daughter is, or grandson or daughter, how, how do you find a job right now? Right? You've invested into your brain, your human capital. Now it's time to get a trade-off for that investment right at a time that we've got unemployment spiking to nearly 15%. So we're helping you with that today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe, turn on notifications, smash that thumbs up button. Why? Because you're going to get every single episode right there. And then all of our daily nuggets of next wise steps that you should take in your financial life. So head there, go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe. Thank you very much. All right. So Josh, obviously some financial advice that we'd give to a graduating, a college graduate right now is, hey, here's the best way to hunt for a job. Um, what kind of advice would you lead off with? Well, I, maybe I would piggyback on something that you left off in the last segment with. You, you're talking about your habits. And I feel like when you reach a transition point in your life, as so many graduates just did, they're leaving the education or the preparation phase and moving into the career phase. And sometimes people just leave the school behind. They stop learning entirely. And I, I would want you to... To, to make that pivot, you're going from a world that you used to study full-time and um, you, you would work part-time, right? Flip it. Now you're working full-time, hopefully, and you need to be studying part-time. And never let that habit go because you, you have to be a lifelong learner. Now, if you're not actually employed right now, then you still have a full-time job. It may be hunting for your first career, your first opportunity. If, if that doesn't take all your day, then find an opportunity that you can volunteer in. But th this is important for that reputation piece that you were talking about earlier on, Mike. You, you talked about in your financial life, your reputation is your credit score. Well, in your work life, your reputation matters as well. And the, the, the message that you send to the world based on your lifestyle, what time do you get up in the morning? How hard are you hustling? Uh, throughout the day? Where are you pouring yourself out for the benefit of other people and not just focused on yourself? Those are the types of things that are habitual, mm. right? They, they are a pattern in your life and you need to choose that pattern instead of just sort of drifting into one. But they also, they speak for you. Those habits speak for you. People can see those, employers can see those without you needing to say it yourself. So, I, I was thinking this exact same thing as well, and it's tied to my last principle, and that is always do more work today than what you're getting paid for. Because you want to get paid more in the future, right? And and I know sometimes we, we get this backwards because we see these celebrities or these um, athletes who get these big contracts right before they go play. That is not how the world works. That's not how the world works your pay comes after value. So how do you continue to increase the value that you can give? Always do more than what you're getting paid for. So you need a good book to read, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I would read it and I would study it actually, but not in like in a nerdy way where you're like repulsed by that idea. No, that is, that is truth. So Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I would start there. I would, I would be reading and developing and thinking 
Yeah. I, after you're done reading The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, I would encourage you to read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and read it again and read it again until the seven habits flow off your tongue and they, and they are part of you. And you can say easily that, that private victories precede public victories. And you know what's going on because that will give you um, some guidance. And I'd say if you're not working we, we look at tons of resumes, and so what we always look at is the gap and, and what, what happened in the gap. Yeah. So that's important. And, oh, it's and so there, important. Because there is work to do. You could go and um, sign up right now for today for Shipped and start delivering groceries. If, you're not, if you can't type 60 words a minute, you could, for 30 or 40 bucks, you can download Mavis Beacon on your computer and learn formally how to type. Right, I've got a deal going right now with someone in the office that um, I observed something and I said, hey, let's get you going on uh, some typing lessons. And this person is typing four times faster than they were when they started. And he or she is working on a raise. Because I said, as soon as you can type faster than me, I'll give you a raise. <laughs> I love that. You're hearing advice directly from an employer. Mm-hmm. And the, the principle that's embedded there is that you need to be networking with potential employers and asking them, hey, what are the skills that you wish your employees had? And they're giving you the answer, right, on what you need to be going and studying and what you need to be developing. There are frustrations in every employer. And what if you could be the solution to some of those frustrations? That's, that's the type of work that you need to be doing when you're not employed. Most of those frustrations are people frustrations, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, let's pivot just a second and, and talk about if, if, you're, if you're listening and you've got kids, like, you know, mine are 10 and 8 and 2, and they're not in college right now. I'm hoping they don't graduate during the pandemic, but I'm thinking 10 years <laughs> down, the, down the road, is college going to look different? You know, are these kids going to be on campus or – College prices continue to go up and so on. So just let's take a moment and say, well, do you prepare? Do you financially prepare differently for college in light of this? Certainly, you know, we we could talk about how important it is to start early, to get saving on behalf of your kids. But but that's more of you preparing for them. And my mind first goes to what can you do differently to prepare them better? Mm. And... You know, one of the decisions that a lot of parents have to make is, and this is based on maybe your own experience, your own values, how much work do you want your kids to be doing while they're going through school, whether it's during the semester or during their, their summer breaks? I, I've spoken with a lot, of, a lot of parents who have said, man, I worked my tail off going through school, and some conclude they don't want their kids to have to do that. And then others say, no, no, that was formative to me. That, that changed me. That made me better. So I want that for my kids. I, I hope that more people drift to the second group because of this. There's something valuable about your students working their way through school. A, they're, they're getting their foot in the door with a potential employer. Maybe they're doing internships or just gaining skills. Um, but the, the point is, they're not going through school gaining book knowledge or head knowledge with no experiential knowledge. I think that's important, and we're realizing that in this pandemic, because those who are graduating with th- their foot already in the door or already a skill stack that's better than their, their peers, they are more likely to land that first job than those that have just been studying for four years. What, what could you learn 
with just a starter job. I, you could learn how to deal with interpersonal conflict. You could learn how to work as a, as a team. You can learn. You could learn how to fill out a W four, right? For the first time. I mean, I, my first office job wasn't the first time I'd collected a paycheck and got a W two, right? Mm-hmm. You can so all sorts of stuff just makes you a little more familiar, brings you confidence. You could learn how to look people in the eye and talk to them. You you may have only looked them in your phone and talked to them. Yeah. Up to this point, so there you could learn from a job what you definitely know you don't like doing. And you could learn that if you have very basic skills, your your job life might be kind of boring if your skills are basic. So you you might get motivated to improve your skill stack and trade a better still skill stack for more money. Well, and you know, I, I would also argue that many of us, we all still have rough edges. And um, if if your children didn't get all their rough edges knocked off growing up mm-hmm. in your home, mm-hmm. sometimes an employer is able to keep doing some of that polishing work. Uh, that's good stuff. And that's certainly not an all-inclusive list there, but hopefully that helps you as you're graduating or your son or daughter graduating or grandson or daughter. All right, we've got uh, a few great questions from fans of the show coming up. That and more here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Thank you so much for being here today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you want to stay up to date on all Wise Money content and even submit questions for the show or you have needs of your own, you can find us online, wisemoneyshow.com. Submit questions right there on the right. Learn more about our team right there as well. And also, anywhere on social media, wherever you're at, we are there too. Just search the Wise Money Show. Follow us there. You can submit questions there as well. We will answer your questions through whichever medium you send them to us. And then also, if they're appropriate for the show, um, we'll uh, we'll talk about them uh, right now, which is uh, we've got several questions from fans of the show. And I just also want to thank Auto Owners Insurance for sponsoring this segment and sponsoring um being a partner with us on the Wise Money Show. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. So the first question comes from Mary. She's 53 from St. Joe, Michigan. I heard some insurance companies are providing discounts due to the coronavirus crisis. Is that true? How do I how do I get them? You know what I love about that question is it points to the importance of having a strong relationship with your agent. Mm-hmm. You know, your agent is the one who should be advocating for you, should be making sure that you not only have the right coverages, but that you're paying the right amount. And, you know, we've, we've always said, and, and this is biased opinion that I'm offering here, but um, the very best person to be in your corner is the person who is independent and not just representing one big company. They represent you and trying to match you with the right the right insurance carrier. Um, there are some carriers that just um, th- th- they focus on you as sort of their target market, and they therefore are going to provide the right mixture of 
of coverages and the right price. So your agent is the one that you should be reaching out to and finding out whether or not this carrier that you work with, um, wh- whoever you're writing your check to, um, do they offer any kind of care, uh, any type of coronavirus relief here? Yeah. Um, so I, there's a few different ways I would answer this question after the way Josh did. He's absolutely right. Reach out to your agent. Each company is treating things a little bit different. But um, from my understanding, most companies are offering some sort of direct refund or some sort of direct discount, whether it be at 5% or 7% or whatever. I actually can't remember. I'm with Safeco. I can't remember um, exactly how they calculated it, but they're issuing a small refund check for what you would have paid, what your auto insurance premium would have been for March and April. And so, um, so look out for that. And, you know, if you've got, if you're in the habit of just throwing away spam, um, but you get in the mail, I'd just open it. I would (laughs) just make sure there isn't a, a check in there. The second thing that I would tell you to do is, all right, what if, uh, what if you're working from home and you don't, you haven't been driving the miles that your insurance cost is based on? Yeah, I drive 25,000 miles a year because I'm, I drive for work. Nope. Your sales is through Zoom, not through, you know, pound on the pavement. And you might want to call your insurance agent and say, hey, my, my miles this year are going to be way down. Can we adjust my auto insurance? And that should be able to give you some sort of discount as well. That's exactly right. The, uh, often our, our um, premiums are based on how much driving you're doing because every time you get in the car, you're putting yourself a little bit at risk and other people a little bit at risk. And insurance companies know that. Mm-hmm. They know the statistics and everything. Well, the less driving you do, the less accidents you're, uh, you're likely to be in. And so there are some companies, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about auto owners, for example. Um, you know, I got a notice saying that there could be, uh, for the, 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 I think it's the month of April and the month of May, discounts up to 15% on your car insurance because uh, you're at home. You're not out and about during that, that period. Yeah, that's right. Um, I, I would, oh, go ahead, Kevin. Well, no, this is, and this is a good time if you are at home. If, if you're at home and not working from home, this would be a good time to just dust off your policies and see, what do I have? Do I have the right drivers on the right vehicles? Are, are we using this? Is there a vehicle that could just basically go into storage because we need fewer vehicles in the fleet? Uh, and so we'll, we'll put that on the side and just do fire and theft on that one for, and it costs almost nothing. So this is a time as you're, as you're looking around with, with maybe a different set of eyes to say, what are the things that we can do to have some sort of savings or a, a smarter approach to how we're handling things? Can I also offer a little bit of a, a warning to some of you who maybe you, um, you were let go or you were furloughed or something and, and you've begun some sort of a side hustle that you are working from home essentially as a self-employed or in a sense like a sole proprietor business owner. Um, you need to be careful also to make sure that you're not doing something that actually would violate your homeowner's policy. Um, that, that may be a conversation you need to be having uh, with your insurance advisor, your insurance agent about, hey, what am I covered for here yeah. if I begin doing work at home as a business owner, essentially? I, I thought you were going to go somewhere else. I don't want to 
uh, overdo it here, but don't, if you're looking and saying, hey, I should get some sort of discounts on my auto insurance, don't look and say, well, I'll manipulate a discount. I'm not really driving much, so I'm going to reduce my coverage. I would go to what right. Kevin said and say, well, I'm not really driving this vehicle, so I will put it in storage. I wouldn't go through and say, I don't need this umbrella insurance. I'm not even driving. Let me cut that. Because pretty soon you'll forget that you did that. You get out on the road. You have an accident. You, you, you need that coverage. So thanks for the question, Mary. I'm going to uh, flip to the next one because it's very, very much connected. A uh, fan of the show wrote in and said, hey, my son returned from college at the beginning of April, finished his semester doing e-learning, and we're not even sure if they're going back to campus this fall. Are there any discounts I can get on my auto insurance um, that I pay for him since he's not driving his car at school? The, I would say the same answer, but the first thought that I went to was put the car in storage. You know, if it's a 1994 Ford Escort um, that you're probably not going to be driving around put it in storage and and just for a point of clarification putting it in storage means it can sit in your driveway and just don't drive it but but that's the key don't drive it because that's the concern that i have about these kids um that they're home from i my parents when i once once i'm sorry kevin because you've got college age kids but when once i came home from college in mentally the rules changed so it's like i'm still going out at midnight or whatever and i'll take whichever car i really want because that's how it was in college whichever car was at the back of the at the end of the driveway well that's the one that you took <laughs> when you wanted to go somewhere uh if that car is in insurance storage though you can't drive it that is the key and we we probably all have stories of people who took the vehicle out of storage forgot to turn the insurance back on so to speak and got in a terrible accident and the, the risk is that, well, hey, I turned off the coverage. There's no protection for me in that situation. Right, right. Um, all right, so next question comes from uh, Annette from Granger. How should we approach paying off our mortgage when our philosophy is totally different? I want to save into our retirement plans, and he wants to get the mortgage paid off. How do you approach that? Uh, Kevin, I think you're being baited into uh, being a mediator here. Well, referee. Yeah, I that is that's a that's a fabulous question because it, you could take it even at a higher level and say how do you solve problems that you have you just believe totally differently. I in in my own self in working with my financial planners, my wife and I sat down and made a list of the 20 things that we wanted to accomplish financially and then we prioritized them. And my wife had a two on something that I had marked, I think, 19 or 20. <laughs> and I thought... So did she help you fix your list? I, I thought, what is wrong with my wife? <laughs> so so that is, that is, to me, that's the bigger question. Because once you figure out how you, what your approach or your process is to resolving conflicts, then you can do this one. I look at that, and, and it's interesting because we get a chance to sit across the table... Uh, or sit across the computer from folks on a daily basis now and answer the question and and we don't take sides we actually we we don't care we don't care who wins what's important is that that you as a client understand the six areas of financial planning what your financial plan calls for and the process determines the product the process determines what should our approach be? Should we 
pay off the mortgage? Should we uh, put that money instead in our retirement plans, reduce our taxes, and have uh, – because the bet is I will get a better return on the money that goes into my retirement plan than the money that goes into my house. Yeah, I that, I – I mean, I think, Kevin, you're exactly right. And and at least we're talking about retirement or paying off the mortgage. You know, the, the ones that are really, really complicated are more energized are retirement or buying the new car or, or the no, annual big vacation. Right, right, no, no, it's the mortgage. Right. right. He wants to she wants to pay off the mortgage. He wants to take the family to Disney. Yeah. And, and the extended family on that crew. Well, they don't do that anymore. But, <laughs> but uh, some big vacation. Sure. So so, so you're going to find these conflicts in your financial life. So I'd, I'd ask you two questions. Number one, do you have a coach who's helping you um, wrestle through those to the right answer? Two, do you have a system where you're actually sitting down and roundtabling these things as opposed to just, you know, giving dirty looks over your cell phone while... Um, you're watching TV at night or something like that. And, and so um, your financial advisor provides both. But most importantly, they provide the third thing, and that is the context in which to take two good options and find the great choice. I, I agree with that completely. I would add one more as well. They can help you quantify both of those goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. some people take an all-or-nothing approach with their financial goals. They say, hey, we're not taking a single vacation. We're not going to save a single dollar into retirement account until that number one goal of the mortgage is gone. Well, what if really what you care about is, hey, I, I just want the mortgage gone before our kids are in college. Or I just really want the mortgage gone before I reach age 60 because I want to have the option of being able to retire. Okay, well, let's quantify. How much money is it going to take for you to be able to achieve that goal? And if, if you apply the right dollars to that goal and use the rest to go towards maybe the next best goal, maybe it is a vacation that the family really needs. Yeah. Just know that you and your spouse, you were brought together for a reason and you maybe hopefully complement each other really well. And so if one spouse's wishes or values is dominating the other, you don't have the very best version of you because you're not fully um, leaning on or fully accounting for the values of your spouse in that Mm -hmm. in that situation. So maybe if that's you, um, maybe your next wise step is you got to start a financial planning relationship right now. So I'd encourage you, contact your CFP to roundtable these sorts of choices in your situation. If you don't have one, we, of course, certainly can help. All right, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks for being with us. Um, We will see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.